This is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. A weekly podcast talk show about the things that bring us together. Make us happy. Make us whole. Make us human. Hey guys, this is Joy. And this is Claire. And I just want you guys to know, because I I want to be able to sing this song. That I just got a coffee, coffee delivery. delivery. <laughs> it's morning time. It's a Sunday morning. And so Claire and I have a pretty busy month of May coming up. And every time I say month of May, I want to sing the Arcade Fire song, but I won't. No, you want to sing, it's going to be May. Yeah, it's that too. But <laughs> anyway, we're going to save that. But we have a pretty busy month of May coming up for a lot of things going on. And so we're we're kind of pre-recording a few episodes with our friends. The reason being we have really cool friends, but also, you know, Claire and I check in a lot. But if we were to like record multiple episodes with just us two in a row, we get a little like, okay, what the heck do we talk about? So weekly is like a good cadence for us. So then we're like, let's bring in some friends and catch up with some of our friends. So we're our catching up with... Not. Our lives are not enough. They're not content. as glamorous. We're not the Kardashians. I <laughs> wish so bad I was. I mean... Do the, can the Kardashians support that much content? That's why there's like nine of them. That's very true. Watch out. Watch out. Keeping up with the K's. We're coming for you. So with we're catching. K. Coming for you with a K. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, no. That reminds right. me. Okay. But we're catching up with some friends this month. So this week on the show, we have our friend Tina, who is has been on the show. And Tina, I remember when we did, I think our last episode with you was like right when the pandemic hit. And we had yes. like a little coming together with some friends and listeners because we were all feeling mm-hmm. really isolated. So we were like, let's record. And I remember, I'm almost embarrassed to say this, but like we talked about you getting COVID because it was like one yeah. of the first people yep. that we knew that got COVID. <laughs> <laughs> and we were all like, what was it like? Yeah. And it was yeah. so like new to us. That's mm-hmm. how new it was in the pandemic. Anyway, welcome back. And I'm, thank you for hanging out with us this week. And I'm so um, excited that I wore my tie by Tina shirt and you wore a tie by Tina shirt and Claire yep. didn't get the memo, but she no. <laughs> And I feel like really left out. <laughs> I know we're on a group text. You guys couldn't like. I know. I But I, I, I we actually didn't know. plan it. I just I woke up and I just intuitively knew yeah. that I should wear a tie by Tina have. shirt. Anyway, um, are you still on Instagram tie by Tina? Yes, it's still it- there. I still do it. It's I have actually like a like six sweatshirts sitting right here that I'm about to send out to people. I, I mean, it. honestly, it's. Do you guys know who Sunny Anderson is? No. She's on the Food Network and I uh, do a lot of food styling for The Kitchen, which is a show on there. And she, I gave her one of my sweatshirts once she wore it on the show. It like blew up. And because of that, I got like a million, not a million, but you know what I mean? Like 50 like, <laughs> like sweatshirts that I had to make and stuff. And it's been a lot of fun. And every now again, randomly, someone will send me a message to be like, hey, can I have this or this? And I do it. It's not, you know, I don't have like a stock. This isn't my job. Right. But I, um, I just hustle. order a sweatshirt, ask what colors they want, and I make it and send it. And it's fun. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. yeah. I remember because you started that like when the pandemic hit too, right? Yeah. You, cause yeah, you like, I needed things to do. Yeah. You were on a hiatus. Your job had kind of shut yeah. down. And so you were like, just kind of waiting, waiting, waiting. Okay. So let's catch up since that episode. Yep. Tell our listeners, just give a recap of where you live, what you do. Yep. So I am a food stylist by trade. I live in Brooklyn. And before where I am currently, I was at the Today Show for seven years. So I was doing television food styling. And prior to that, I was doing editorial food styling, which is 
pretty different actually. And then the pandemic hit, they kept us at the Today Show on the payroll for a while. God bless them for that. But then eventually it was like, we weren't doing anything. So they let the whole team go, the whole team being four of us. And then, you know, they were like really scared. So no one came back for a while. And then I just started like freelancing basically. So, you know, I had been out of the freelance world for seven years and unfortunately I didn't keep the best connections. I just still talk to some people, but at the end of the day, I was like, you know, F it, I have to find work. So I have to email people that I know. I know a lot of people started making the phone calls, sending the emails, you know, sending the DMS. And some people were really amazing. Sonny Anderson being one of them got me a bunch of jobs with the Food Network. And that was really helpful because you just make a lot of connections. And in the food styling world, it's a lot of word of mouth. I was going to say, I remember you saying that like, it's not a, it's not a job that you're just going to like hop on LinkedIn and be like, food stylists unite, you know, it's like, it's it's, pretty rare. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, if you meet someone, you really like them. You're like, wow, she's a really good food stylist. When I'm not available, I'm going to, I'm going to pay it forward. And I'm going to tell them to contact this person. So it's a lot of that. So that's what's been happening, but you know, it's hard. Sometimes you don't have the opportunities, so you can't showcase how, you know, good you are or how long you've been doing this or, you know, how much experience you have. So, and in the food styling world, it's, and I may have mentioned this last time, it's really clicky. So like, if you look at the New York Times, they're constantly having the same photographer, the same food stylist over and over and over again. And there's not that much diversity. So, and these don't get me wrong, those people are talented, extremely talented, but it's like, there's not a lot of opportunity because they keep hiring the same people. And you see a lot of that. If you are looking and paying attention to that, like I am, I'm constantly seeing the same names. And you know, it's it's just difficult. It's hard. Um, but I made some great connections. Now I have a part-time food stylist job and I'm at a company called Marley Spoon and it's quite lovely. And I work with really talented people. And, and that's like a meal kit company, yes, right? Yes, it's yeah. a meal kit. Exactly. It's like uh, HelloFresh or Blue Apron or one of those. And we do all of the digital food styling. So anything you see on the recipe cards, on the website, on Instagram, um, we do like social, we do marketing things. It's way less stressful than television. And I'm still doing like Tamron. I'm doing Tamron Hall. I do Good Morning America. I've done The View. So I'm still doing TV because people know me in the TV world, but it's just so much more stressful. And I've just, it's funny, one of my friends who I used to work with at Today Show, he saw me recently, we worked together and he's like, oh, you're so much happier. And I'm like, okay, like I'll take that as, I'm not sure what to take that as, but it's true. I do feel way less stress and I really enjoy the people that I'm working with because everyone's just so nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's worth, we were going to talk about this if it like came up, but I'm, I do want to just bring it up. Like you had a change, like everyone from the Today Show was laid off, but mm. they, they hired some people back and yep. like there was some kind of, tumultuous situations that happen there. So I think the purpose of that is like you and I had some parallel uh, experiences of going through some really tough heartbreak with jobs last year. Mm -hmm. So can you just kind of gloss over or go into as much as you want as far as what you did to kind of get through that? Because it was really painful. Yeah. Um, I would say it was, it was actually pretty hurtful. Um, and I questioned my self-worth, how good I was at my job, my confidence, you know, a lot of things 
happened when they hired other food stylists that I had worked with there, but I was not hired back. For whatever reason, you know, I like to say I'm tough but fair as an employee, as a manager, just as someone who, you know, is a worker. Um, so I'm I'm tough because I'm good at what I do and I demand a lot. And if you're going to work with me, I'm going to demand a lot from you. And I think that I was always the bad cop because there's so much, they're wanting you to do so much on television, constantly throwing things at you. And if you don't push back a little bit, you're going to get walked all over. And so you just have to kind of be like, listen, we can't do this. There has to be pushback. And I was always the bad cop. And I know it was unliked by some people. But wait a minute. Is it just because you push back a little bit? Like, no, I think okay, it's just okay. because I'm I'm just a hard, I'm a tough person. You know what I mean? I want to get the job done. I want to get it done well. And I'm not always there to like be sunshine and rainbows. You're not there to make friends. Not there to make friends. I mean, yes, <laughs> but no. Do you I know just, what I mean? Yeah, yeah totally. No, yeah, that it's, I mean, I think that like, uh, when we had you on, you know, at this point, what it was two years ago. Yeah, two years and ago. So I don't want to refer too much to that episode in case people haven't haven't yeah. heard it. But um, I remember you talking about, you know, just how you really have to like bring yourself up by your bootstraps in mm-hmm. this field and kind of what you were referring to earlier. It's not like you can go on Indeed and search like food stylist jobs. Like, yeah, it is a little bit not necessarily like, cutthroat. Might be sort of a, mm. a you know a little bit of a, an aggressive word. Maybe her, like, fa- her face is saying confirmed. Like, you got to throw some elbows. It sounds like yeah. to you know get where you'd want to be in that field. Yeah. And so um, you can't do that without you can't do that and have everyone you've ever worked with think that you're like this fluffy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I think that, you know, and it's funny because the people that they did hire back, they're tough as well, you know, but there was some things said, I won't get into it. I won't get into that because, you know, but there were some things said about me and I did say some things about my experience there and how maybe I didn't want to go back and maybe it was taken out of context, whatever, but I felt a little betrayed because you were saying um, things in confidence and it might've been like held against you type of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. so I think that in order to move on for myself, I really just had to, honestly, I unfollowed the today show. I unfollowed today food. I unfollowed it all because it was triggering. It was triggering to me and it still is at times, but I've really started to move past it. And I think I'm so much better for it. And listen, my experience there is nothing. I would never want to take my experience away. It was phenomenal. And I learned so much and I worked with amazing, talented people every day. But at the same time, like I wanted to move on for a while. And maybe that was like the kick in the butt I needed to then move on. I am happy now, you know, and I am happy moving forward. And, you know, so who knows, you know, how they always say it's like, maybe it was meant to be. I don't know, but I'm definitely better now, I think, than I was there. And I just didn't see it. But again, a friend and I had a conversation and I was just like, better you than me, because honestly, I'm just, everyone's still complaining. Everyone's saying the same thing still. So that's not going to change. And I don't want to be in that environment anymore. Yeah, it's so it's such the, that, like the exact same situation. Yeah, I know you and I kind of both talked about that over the year, just how hard it was to feel like you were burned. Yeah, and uh, I guess like unappreciated, like all the things that you kind of feel like 
oh, guys, like, I thought I was doing a good job. You know, like, <laughs> all of those feelings kind of come up where you have to take at least I had to take a look and go, wait, I thought I was doing a great job. And you know what, I was doing a great job. Yep. But the environment wasn't in alignment with my values. And I think there was just some backwards way that kind of kicked me out of the orbit of that in the same way that you were. It wasn't until I was out of there where I realized how much happier I was. But how it happened was like, you felt burned, you felt betrayed, Mm -hmm. you felt like you confided in people, people were like going behind your back and just all this like weird high school stuff. And then you realize, oh, yeah, I'm not meant to be in those situations. Like, I'm not, that's why I'm not there is because I'm not a high school girl. There's a lot of that, yeah. (laughs) Likes to participate in that drama. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so you you and I had a lot of, like, similar similarities in that aspect. So do you feel like you're kind of, like, do you honestly, like, a year later, look back and you're like, okay, now I'm a little bit more healed? Way, big time. (laughs) Um, Just, I'm able to accept kind of what happened, not really blame anyone anymore because they have their reasons, whatever they are. I don't need to hear them either. And it's like, no one's going to really tell me the truth anyway, probably. So I'm just better just kind of letting it go and just moving on because holding onto it makes it so much worse because you're just going to constantly question if you're good at your job. And then once your confidence is gone, it's it's like, that's my job. Like my job is, you know, built on the confidence that I can do it well, like any job, you know? So it's like, once you lose that confidence, you're not going to be good at anything. So I just have to believe in myself. Yeah. And you you have to take your talents elsewhere, you know, quoting, because I know that I'm talented, you know, Quoting LeBron. Yeah. And I, I mean, truly, because this is something I had to tell myself. And this sounds really, it may sound silly, but it's like, I was, <laughs> I was doing a great job. And I think there was some level of them being threatened by that, because There's I was doing that. a great, a great, I was doing a great job. That is where I was like, I don't care if it's false. And I sound <laughs> like an egotistical maniac, yeah. because I have to tell myself this to like work through it. I feel like we can parlay that into so many things because as, I mean, we follow you on Instagram, you have been, I mean, it's been so interesting to see your evolution over the last two years. I think, I don't know if you like realize kind of how obvious it's been on social media, or maybe we are just like creepy weirdos who (laughs) really notice (laughs) who follow you all the time. Yeah. And are like, I really want to make pitas. Um, (laughs) I will say to be like, as a as an aside, um, you have inspired me to make homemade Mediterranean food, which I never Yay. ever ever used to do because <laughs> red onions used to really scare me. Um, they're so just like spicy. Anyway, <laughs> it's been so interesting to see the way that you've approached things from the outside. At least seems like it's really mm-hmm. changed. That you feel it seems like you're a lot more open to just sort of trying something and seeing mm-hmm. how it goes. And I also am really interested to hear you say that like you feel so much more relaxed now that you're a freelance, but also then part-time somewhere else. Like to me, that job structure sounds like a nightmare because I just want to show up and do like one job. And then like, you know, the, the piecing of things together, um, I think is a unique setup that not a lot of people would thrive in. Um, cause there's a lot to, to juggle. But then I also think from a personal standpoint, you're, conversation about yourself really has seemed to evolve in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. And you've talked a lot about, you know, embracing Mm -hmm. things about yourself and about your body that 
you previously really tried to hide or really just like, if not hide, then just sort of gloss over. Yeah. From a professional and a food standpoint, I mean, the other thing I think is so interesting about your job is that like cooking is something that we all have to do, you know, all day, every day, no matter who we are. And so you have to feed yourself. <laughs> you have to, it's just never ending, really. <laughs> it's true. And, <laughs> so it's interesting to, you know, you kind of like you do these like Instagram <clears throat> reels and store and lives where you like make stuff at home. I'm curious like how you're talking you talk about that confidence and talk about how making sure you don't lose your confidence in that and having to really fight for that. How have you seen that show up in other places in your life throughout this process? That's so interesting. I think that, wow. And it's so true. Like talking about the whole body acceptance and the food thing and my self-confidence, I have definitely evolved. I think in the last two years or because of the pandemic, like I think that I put a lot of pressure on myself body-wise, maybe even like three years ago, pre-pandemic, like I would constantly like almost make Marcos separate meals from what then I would eat. And that's your husband. Yeah. Cause God forbid I like ate what he was eating. And then I think like during the pandemic, everything happened and we were just like stuck inside together. And I'm like, well, hello, I'm not going to start making like three different meals for him and I. So I started cooking for us and we started eating together more and just like engaging in that aspect together. And I think as a result of that, and just as I get older, I think I'm just like, why am I putting so much pressure on myself? Like to look a certain way. I have some friends that are still stuck in that, I think, body stuff sometimes. And I have this one girlfriend who her and I really kind of confide in each other and talk about it all. And just like how you have good days and bad days. And it's just like at the end of the day, I just started to accept myself more and just be like really happy with myself. And I think honestly, the pandemic helped with that because even just something as simple as making a meal for my husband and I, it just turned into something totally different, I think. And then I think that involved into the Instagram thing where I started cooking for people and just like wanting to show people what I was making. And like, I think in a world where, you know, all of us are involved in fitness and there's so much diet culture and so much restriction and all of that, I think I just was like, I'm just going to show people that I actually do eat. And like, this is what I'm actually eating. And I'm not here to tell you, you can or cannot eat something and you're not going to ever find any kind of like nutrition information on my recipes. Cause I just don't know. And at the end of the day, I just want to make delicious food. I'm not going to make it like super heavy and all that stuff. It's still going to be like nutritious and all that stuff. But I just want to show people that you can eat, eat well and still feel good. <laughs> and for people who don't follow Tina or aren't familiar, something that we talk about a lot and that I think is more prevalent of a conversation on social media. And, and when we talk about diet culture and we talk about, you know, body type biases mm. is around normalizing bigger bodies. And I think, and that's fantastic and really needed. And I think, you know, that is where 99% of the work needs to be done <laughs> from a societal level. Yeah. But, you know, for you, it's been more about being a very muscular body type. And we talk about yeah. this with joy as well. Mm. And that I always remember this post that you made about how you used to ask your husband to like cover your shoulder with his hand when he, when you guys took pictures together, because you were so self-conscious about how muscular your shoulders were. And yeah. this is really naturally your body type. Like, I think it's an interesting 
perspective as well. And I think one that a lot of people who listen to this podcast can relate to of having that muscular body type of looking a certain way that is not traditionally classically, maybe feminine, or, Mm -hmm. you know, you're never going to have that like live sort of. No, lilt, whatever (laughs) that word is. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And, and like learning to embrace that too, and, and not shy away from certain activities or certain types of clothes. And like, yeah, you know, it all falls under that same conversation of no matter how you ver you differ from that ideal, it's still harmful. And whether you are fall like more or less into that sort of normal normative body type. Yeah. It's just so I don't know. I think it's very interesting. And it's been interesting to just to like as you have evolved that conversation around, I'm, you know, I'm just gonna show what I eat. Like I'm not gonna be sitting here eating super heavy because that's not how I eat, but I'm also not gonna, you know, just sit here and pretend that all I do is drink green juice all day or eat protein crackers or whatever. Like every single (laughs) thing has extra protein in it. But also like, you're not going to shy away from weight training anymore. And you're going to be showing, showcasing that side of you as well. Yeah. So I think it's funny because, you know, what people don't know, or maybe people do know, like I am very much food fitness. Like those are like two things that I absolutely love. And like, I think sometimes when people followed me, they think that I'm just here for the food. And then sometimes people are like, oh, she's just here for the fitness. So there's like this, there was this fine line where it was like, I didn't want to show fitness because I didn't want people to be like almost scared, I guess, of of me. Um, But then like some people that wanted to see fitness didn't want to see the food. So it's evolved. And I'm just like, at this point, I'm just like one of my, another one of my friends who's like very, she's like, um, I don't know. She's like teaches people how to use Instagram. She basically was like, you need to do what makes you happy. Like you need to show what you want to show. And if someone doesn't want to watch it, then they just don't watch it. But I think going back to the body acceptance, and I and I still think that it's an issue when I think it's great how they're being more size inclusive on websites like Lululemon and like Athleta and all that stuff. But it's like there's I'm still only seeing maybe like one person that looks like me. And it's like very, very rare that I'm gonna see a woman with a muscular body on like gap.com or like you know, another website, whatever it is. So it's like, when I'm looking for clothes, it's so hard because I'm like, that person doesn't look like me. (laughs) That's so true. I'm just like, oh my God. Yes. Half the time I still have to be like, but is it going to fit my shoulders? Like that's. (laughs) And I think like when you're saying, like when you were referring to that post I made about, you know, Marcos or my husband, whatever, covering up my shoulders. I mean, it's true because I'll get the stares that are like, that's disgusting. Or I'll get the stares like, oh my God, I want to look like you. So it's like, it's so, you know, one way or the other way. Oh, very polarized. And it's kind of like, I don't want to get the looks like, oh my God, that's disgusting because that feels terrible. Who wants that? No one is like, Nobody. you know what? I want people to look yeah. at me and think I'm nasty. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, nasty like, anyway, the wrong And word. listen, I can tell, like even Marco says it, like Marco's is like, there's been a couple of times where he's like almost been like, you need to put your eyes back in your freaking t- your head because I'm going to come over there in <laughs> a second. so great. By you the know? way, if you, if you don't follow Tina, you should, because every <laughs> once in a while he makes an appearance and yeah. it's the best. <laughs> and... So, yeah, so that it's definitely been hard. And let me tell you, there's been times where I didn't want to wear a tank top because I didn't want a comment. And I still do feel that way sometimes. And it's like, I'm not even like that muscular compared to other people you see that are muscular, but it's like just enough 
to be not normal, you know? So, Whatever the heck normal is. Right? Yeah, exactly. Whatever the heck normal so, is. Right. It's so just it's, that like body judgment period is ridiculous. Yes, ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And just because it's like, it's true. Sometimes it's just like, it's just you don't see muscular women every day. So it's definitely different, you know, but at the same time, it doesn't mean you should be staring. Right. And I think everyone probably can relate to this and feels this in some way, shape or form, whether it be muscular or whatever size your body is that Mm -hmm. doesn't fit this quote unquote norm. Norm. Again, unless it's very, very bizarre. It's very, very bizarre. And isn't it interesting? Like the things that people think is, are okay to comment on, like, like come up still to yeah to the, honestly still. it's every time i think oh we as a society are like finally starting to move past this no. you hear about someone getting a comment or you get a comment or whatever the case may be and you're like really there's still people out there who think they can just walk up to me and say and i you know not i, I don't say this in a self-deprecating way at all i don't get muscular comments of course like i'm not i just don't have a muscular body type this is not a hurdle that i encounter it is interesting i feel like everyone out there no matter how no matter how sort of quote unquote typical your body type is you do get those comments and then it just makes me then consider how many comments how many stares how many like yeah. whispers under your breath people who have even less sort of normalized body types are getting. And it just makes me furious. I just think that we overlook the conversation around the more muscular, you know, the comments that you get or the considerations that you Uh make. So, and and it is, it is kind of very much wrapped up in this, whatever feminine masculine thing is. Yes. And that's really confusing too, but that's a whole nother conversation for another day. Um, And that's, it it is very interesting because we're like, Mm -hmm. okay, so what is feminine? What is masculine? What does that even mean? It's okay. So here's a quick example. And then we're going to have to take a quick ad break, but I want to take, I want to give you an example of how powerful media can be in our psyche. So, you know, I'm 44. I feel pretty good at this point in my body. There's things where I'll like, it's kind of freeing in a way. I don't know. I guess like maybe when you're younger, you feel like you have to show more skin. I don't know. Maybe that's not a thing. But I just feel like when you're younger, you feel like you have to wear like, I don't know, more attractive. I don't don't know. know. (laughs) Like, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I think people get what I'm trying to say. And because then it kind of goes into like, do we have to attract a mate? I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. F all of the F all of this. Yeah. F yeah. all of this. But we're yeah. just out here doing. Oh, God, we're trying to figure it out. Yeah, we're mating yeah. all of us. And so I was lo- I'll look at clothes now and I'll be like, oh, my gosh, that's so cute. But I could never wear that or something goes through my head of like, that's so cute here. OK, train of thought. That is so cute. I wonder if I could, quote unquote, fit into that. And like, yeah. look good wearing that. I'm doing all this air quotes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then I go, but I actually don't care because I'm 44 and I don't yeah. want to wear that anymore. Like, of course, every once in a while, I'm going to throw on a great, like, fabulous for like faux fur coat. But like, you know what I'm saying? I There's a pressure that is released for me to be like, oh, I don't have to like show all that stuff anymore. Like, yeah. I d- I'm sure you could like no shade to people who are older and like want to show that skin. I just don't. It doesn't feel comfortable for me. And then, OK, I'm a little embarrassed, embarrassed to admit this, but I'm going to just say it all is I was watching the entire season five of Selling Sunset this weekend. I mean, they're all in their 30s and early 40s. They all have like the most fabulous outfits that and they're all in very very small bodies and I'm going it really gets into my psyche where I'm like oh I can see how people really fall for this and they've all had plastic surgery no no shade no shade for plastic surgery but it it gets into your psyche and I had to okay this is where my brain goes guys 
I had to go on the internet and look up before and after pictures of this oh. of the cast because I wanted to tell myself like this isn't real joy. Real. Yeah. This yeah. isn't real. Yeah. Like they they have so much work done and in order to like get myself back into a healthy mind space, I had mm-hmm. to go back and google and be like before and after I got to like I got to get this out of my head otherwise I'm going to go down the the trail of like oh my gosh, I got to like this is the ideal. We need to like start everyone needs botox. What if, what would I look like with a nose job? I need to you know like it just it's crazy man. Making. It's crazy making. This actually yeah. like reminds me of the conversation we had a couple weeks ago, months ago, about how I had this realization about like being about skiing. Like, I don't have to try. I don't have to want to try hard. It's kind of the same thing where like you kind of reach this point where you're like, I don't have to want to try that hard. Exactly. Exactly. I can just like wear a greasy pony. I mean, maybe not a greasy ponytail every day, but maybe, maybe. Right. <laughs> I don't want to, ha- I don't have to want to look like that. And I think that that has been a huge breakthrough for a lot of people where you have this this light bulb moment of like, not only do I not have the time or resources or stylists available to me to ever look like that, even if Mm -hmm. I wanted to, but I don't have to want to look like that anymore. Mm -hmm. I can let that go. And it doesn't mean that I'm being lazy. It doesn't mean I'm letting myself go. It just means I'm letting that go. And yeah. I can just like live my life now. Yeah. I think that, the and I'm, I'm happy that I'm older because I think if I was younger, I feel that I would have a lot of more pressure. Like I look at my cousins and who are younger than me and I'm like, wow, like as a 25 year old, I just, I feel for you. That's, that's hard. You know, that's a lot. You know, one of them was talking about how their 25 year old friend was like already getting Botox. And like, tw- maybe it was 22. And I was like, 22. I was like, you don't even have a wrinkle. <laughs> you know? I was like, preventative Botox. You? I mean, it's, uh, that's I guess it's a thing. Yeah. I guess it's oh, a it's thing. definitely a thing. But I mean, yeah, it, that's a lot of pressure. And also like, how is a 22 year old affording Botox? Uh, that's another great question. I know someone who has so much lip filler. I'm like, I know how much you mm. make. You're That's a whole paycheck. It's also like living beyond your means. Yeah. And totally. which Joy and I talk about this at all. We're both like the most frugal people ever. So frugal. So, so I, I'll never forget when you and I went on Camelback hike and you're like, yeah. you know how cheap I am. And I'm like, I love that about you so much. <laughs> I was like, Marcos always says, he's like, I never have to worry about you spending money because you're so frugal. It's like, it's so true. It's yeah. Like, in the same way. Know. It's how it's raised. It's how you're raised. It's how you're raised. It's exactly. I need to learn from you guys because I'm not, I'm not frugal enough. (laughs) Well, it's being raised by Diane Zara, who would take a stack of coupons to the grocery store because that's what we had to do. Anyway, so much to say. Let's take a quick break because we got to do an ad break and then we will uh, continue this wonderful conversation. Speaking of money well spent. Speaking of money well spent. Let's talk about Ned. Let's talk about Ned. Our favorite CBD sponsors. Everyone loves them. We love these CBD products. We trust them. We know the farmer by on a first name basis. Yeah. Knows this hemp in Western Colorado in the beautiful town of Paonia. This is some of the highest quality CBD products that you can get. Each batch is third party tested. So you can look right on their website and see all of the contents of the exact batch that you're getting, which is very above and beyond the industry standard. It's part of why we really, really love Ned because it's super high quality product and you can see exactly what you're getting in the bottle. This month, we really want you to know about the new Dream Set. It includes their best-selling Sleep Blend and Mellow Magnesium. Ned is third-party tested. So they share their third-party lab reports on their website. There's so many products out there 
I don't know about you, but there's, you know, anytime I go buy a product and it's, you know, a good investment of money, that you want to know that your money is well spent. That is an amazing thing about Ned. They have so much transparency on their website and information if you want to know all about their products. And they give you a money back guarantee if you are not fully satisfied. So if you'd like to conquer sleep with Ned's dream set, our listeners get 15% off with the code joy. Go to helloned.com forward slash joy or enter code joy at checkout. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash joy to get 15% off. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. And thank you guys for supporting the brands that support our podcast. Where do we go? Where do we go from here? What were we talking about even? (laughs) So much body talk. I do have a thing that I go back and forth with. Everyone needs to do what makes them feel good. But there's times when I'm looking at people like living beyond your means and spending all this money on making yourself look good. The the person that I look up to in terms of like, I guess, aging gracefully is, has Jane Fonda had a ton of work done? Because I feel like she looks great. She's she's like 80 something. She's definitely had a lot of work done. But maybe a facelift. I don't know, like... A face like a maybe? tasteful amount of work. Maybe? Yeah, tasteful amount of work. Like I don't feel like like you look at Madonna and you're like, oh, oh. wow, you don't even look like I That's feel like deep ends. If I okay, if I had the money and the means, I'd probably be like, I'm sure that I'd have. If I had money to spend, sure, I'd probably get a facelift. I don't know. I really don't know. But I mean, Madonna talk about living beyond your means. Like Madonna can do whatever she wants. I think it's more like I think the the thing is looking at celebrities and thinking like, oh, that says something about what I should do with myself. And yes, 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 yes. Because right. like, they're setting the, like the standard because they they show up in media. We see it. We right. like think that we have to look yeah. like that. Because also like who's to say what's the line between like a tasteful amount of work and too much work and, you know, like who J-Lo. gets to, well, JLo's genetics are just. <laughs> I mean, I, let's gimme. just talk like, give me whatever she, whatever her doctor is doing for her. They're doing just the right amount. Just <laughs> the right amount. Just the right amount. Just the right amount. I agree. But yeah. I don't want to be the person that's like, okay, this is the right look. Because I think that's like, that's, that's true. another standard, right? It's, it's all like, in it's the all eye of the beholder. Who gets to make the call that that's mm-hmm. the right look. I do think that there's a lot to be said for not normalizing that within just like your kind of daily life. Like it's one thing mm-hmm. to look at celebrities and realize like, oh, this is the, you know, this is the, yeah. the celebrity world and this is not the real world yeah. versus, you know, yeah, going to work and seeing someone whose lips are like, how how do you even close your mouth? Or you see the people who you're like, I know, I know how much you make. I know you can't afford that car or whatever the case may be. And I think that it's just the tale as old as time of like keeping up with the Joneses slash Kardashians. Kardashians. <laughs> to I mean, have that comparison. They're completely different people now though. Like, oh, I a thousand percent. I stopped following them a long time ago, but it's like Chloe might as well be like, she is literally a not robot. the same person. Like no. she has gotten so much work done that it's like, you've gone from this to this. And it's like, I see pictures and I'm like, damn, you look good. But it's like, you're, this is not you, your, it's hard your because you're like, when you're born a certain way and you get so much work done to, to fit into some type of, most people can't do it. I'd say and all people. It's really, all people. People. And it's very, I think what it does for me, me personally, is it it confuses me because I'm kind of like, wow, they're so pretty. How did they get that? Yeah. And and then you go, oh, well, they weren't born that way. You kind of have to do this weird mental gymnastics to kind of make yourself feel better. At, le- at least I, like that's what I have to do. Yeah. Because I will go to a place of like, oh my gosh, like comparative, like I compare myself and then I'm like, I feel like a troll. It's just a, v- 
very weird time because we are in a time where there's so many things that you can do to your body and face. (laughs) We're watching this every single day. And then all of a sudden, you know, Kylie Jenner is a completely different person from when she was Mm -hmm. a a kid, a teenager. And then all of a sudden she looks like Kim Kardashian. And you're like, oh, that's this is all very, very weird. Oh, and she's a billionaire. So you're kind of like, oh, also that they're all billionaires. And I think that there's a conversation that we've had on and off for years also about seeing people normalize not getting work done and, you know, seeing people who have gray hair and who have stretch marks and who have saggy (laughs) skin and blah, 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 who have thin lips. Yeah. And when you see them and they're out there, you know, when I think about the women in my life who exude the most confidence, who I look up to, they are the women who show up at a coffee shop with not a lick of makeup on with, Mm. you know, kind of like stringy gray hair and pulled back into a braid, like who are just like too busy doing cool stuff with their life to worry about how they look. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm sure those people are not as immune to like the demands of society as I want to believe that they are. But I think about these, you know, 65 year old women who are out there crushing on their skis or these women who are out there, you know, working with their hands and they're awesome makers and artisans or whatever the case may be. Those are the people who, when I'm in their presence, I'm like, damn, this person's got it figured out. Not the people who, when I'm around them, I'm like, well, you look beautiful. That's so true. And so, and the other thing that being around those women does is it feels like it gives me permission to, to not care about that in that moment Mm -hmm, where if I'm mm -hmm. sitting there across from somebody who I really admire or look up to, or think is doing something badass and they have like a super hairy upper lip, whatever the case may be, right. It's like, Oh, they don't (laughs) give a shit about that. Like, this is not something that should register (laughs) on the, on the scale, whatever, enter thing that you're insecure about here. And they're just not even making a big deal about it. It's like, yeah, this is my hair. My upper lip grows hair. Like, so what? <laughs> and I'm not going to wax it. And I'm yeah. not going to freaking that hurts. Or, you know, for me, I have a lot of this around like having loose skin after being pregnant and my, you know, not sort of facing the reality that even though I'm in my early thirties, like I'm never going to have tight skin on most of my body ever again. And like, so what? So being around people who normalize that, and I don't even want to say embrace it because that feels like too active of a word, but just don't even worry about it. Not on the register. Yeah. It's not, doesn't register. Well, yeah. And as you're talking about this, I'm like, okay, so why am I not focusing on those cool women? And why am I, yeah. I you know, because I do love, I do because love there my- there aren't multi-season reality shows about that. Exactly. I mean, I do, I do love a reality show. You guys know I love pop culture. It but, and, you know, as you're talking about this, I'm like, yeah, I wonder Oprah, Michelle Obama, Kamala Harris, all these amazing women, are they, were, you know, are they getting Botox every day? Maybe, but it's just one of those things that they are like, why aren't we putting our focus on the amazing women that are doing amazing things versus like how we look. And I think both things can exist, but the beauty standard is so strong that that's why I think it gets to me the way that it does. And I think the other thing too, about like the women that I have in in my mind, it's like, they're not celebrities, you know, they're just like normal people, the person at the farmer's market, right. Selling eggs or the librarian, your local library or so who have this passion, but never would want that recognition or would care enough to seek it out. Probably not on social media. Probably not even on social media. So you can't even like curate your feed to throw them in there because like they don't even... So maybe we should just all get off social media. And I think that's the thing. I really do. I think that's the solution. I think that's the solution. (laughs) I, I was telling Joy, I just started talking to a therapist 
It's very brand new for me. And we were talking about social media and just the pressures of social media. And sometimes how I just, and you guys have been doing all the reels lately. It's like, sometimes you just don't want to show up. You just don't want to show up. You really don't have the mental capacity to post another video, to put forth the effort. And you're like, why am I doing this? Questioning oh my gosh. all of that. Do you go through that? Because I go through that a lot. Yes. Like, I went through it last week. <laughs> there'll be days where I'm like, oh, God. Like, it just, it has weird. I'm going through that right now. I woke yeah. up this morning and I was like, oh, shit, we haven't posted a reel in two days. What the hell am I going to make a reel about today? But I get in the weird headspace of like, what does it all mean? Yeah. I go like existential. <laughs> I go existential and weird. And then I'm just like, I'm tired. Oh, who cares? Why am I doing this? You know, it's Why am like I doing this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it's a lot. And maybe people realize it. Maybe people don't. But it's like a lot of effort to like come up with a recipe, film the recipe, like edit the recipe, then like create the video, put the thing on there. And maybe, you know, 10 people in my mom will comment, <laughs> you know, and it's like, right. I'm I mean, stressing about always like comments, but you know, speaking of, she's calling me right now. Hi, but <laughs> it's like you know, it's so. What, what my therapist and I were talking about was just like how I and you know this joy that it's like an actual diagnosis now, like something like being addicted to social media, and it's like these kids are putting so much pressure on themselves, and their mental health is going to garbage because they're using social media as a validation tool where it's like, I don't need that to validate myself. Like, you know, and that's really, that's, that's hard. That's tough. It's one of those things that I wonder, I've always thought, you know, if I really went off social media for a month to see how I felt, I've had a couple of friends do that and they're like, Oh, it's so great. You know, I, there's a piece of me that really does enjoy looking at things, but what I've just been trying to do is cut back. If I find myself mindlessly scrolling or feeling bad, I immediately stop and just like exit the app Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. you can, I love the thing that you can like put a limit on how much you use a certain app. Yeah. yeah. It kind of, it kind of, yeah, I have it for Instagram because that's the one that usually takes most of my time. It'll, it'll interrupt you. It'll give you like a little pop-up on the iPhone that says, Hey, Mm -hmm. you've spent that. And it's like, you've spent your, you've like, and you're like, it's a time to log off. I'm like, good to know. (laughs) (laughs) But the nice thing for me is that I have noticed that I haven't had to only, only on days when I'm creating a reel that I'm spending a lot of time on there trying to create the reel Mm -hmm. will I get that pop up most days it doesn't. And I'm like, okay, good. I'm not spending a lot of time on there. But anyway, it's just, it's the world we live in. It's the stuff we have to face. It's the conflicts that we're having to deal with and how we spend our time and anyway but also be thankful that your job isn't being a social media influencer we all have jobs it is something we use for fun something we have extra you know something we enjoy doing and if we do get burnt out we can just step away from it because it's right bills that's true that's very you know like we all have day jobs which is great yeah that's very true all right. Well, let's finish up this conversation with running because you and oh, I were yeah, talking about running. this off. You and I were talking about this offline <laughs> before we started to hit to hit record. I just went on a run this morning because I have a ten miler coming up, and I went running with our uh, friend Kelly Lutz, who we had on the podcast a few weeks ago. She's a running coach, and so she and I have been like, "Yeah, let's go on a run. Let's figure out going on a run." And you've been running more, Tina. Yes. Because what What was I, the decision uh, around that, and how are you feeling? So I made the decision to stop really doing CrossFit full-time because as I'm getting older, again, 
when we talk about the comparison trap, comparing myself to older females in the CrossFit space. And I'm like, I'm just not PRing anymore. I'm not, I'm tired. My, I just didn't feel like I could really keep doing those workouts and doing them at the capacity that I don't know, I should be doing them at whatever. I didn't want to be on the floor anymore, like gasping for breath. So I joined another program and it's kind of more like bodybuilding, which I thought was really strange, but I'm actually really enjoying it now. So I joined that program probably back in January and they're, they're an online space and two days a week, they let you do whatever cardio you want on this program. Which is which program are you doing? I know people are going to ask. Oh, it's Paragon, called, uh, Paragon training yeah. methods. Yeah. And a few friends had done it. And I had been following one of the founders for a really long time and just kind of like, was like, you know what? I'm just going to try it because I need something different. And so two days a week, they allow you to do whatever cardio you want. And like one day could be like a longer run. And one day could be like an interval run. So I just kind of, and before I started doing the Paragon uh, training, I was trying to run on my own again. So I would like go to the park and try to run. And I was like, oh my God, this is horrible. I'd get like two miles in and be like, I need to stop. Like I just did two miles. I'm good. I was telling Joy that I used to run pre-CrossFit. And then anyone that CrossFits after they join CrossFit, they're like, I hate running. Yeah. Like (laughs) screw running. Yeah. It's kind of like, there's a better way, which we always used to say that too. I still feel that way. (laughs) But you know, Doing running in the middle of a Metcon is no, brutal. It's, it's brutal. Bad. It's horrible. It's like always gasping for air. I will never forget just like looking at my coach in disbelief the first time someone was like, and then on the run, the rest is going to be the run. And I was like, the run, son? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I used to, I mean, for any movement though, I hated when they'd be like, okay, so the double unders are going to be the rest on this workout. And I'd be like, I'm going to shove this. Like, I don't know about you, but rope. I'm still breathing really heavy. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I'm, I feel like I'm going to die. <laughs> By rest, you and mean wait, eternal also, rest? The fact that you guys live in Colorado, when Marcos and I went to Colorado two years ago and we had to run, he was like, I think I'm going to die. Like mm. we went to Winter Park oh. and we tried to work out and I was like, no. <gasps> and you're at like 9,000 no. feet. You're like, there's oh no oxygen. I, I got to sea level and I'm like, oh, a conversational yeah. pace is. I like, I'm running in New York because I you would can let, run yeah. in New York. I can't I, run in Colorado. That I try to remind myself of that, even though people are like you, like I, in theory, should be adapted because I've literally lived here my entire life. That's the that's the thing I tell myself. I'm like, but if I go to sea level, I'm like, yeah, let's go for a run. Oh yes. yeah. But in Colorado, they're like, like get to a conversational pace. I'm like, okay, I get out of breath walking fast. Yeah. So no, I don't talk. Happen. I don't talk. But, anyway, go on. No, but Joy and I were just talking about how like you put this pressure on yourself because what I did ten years ago is what I can't do now. So now that I'm starting to run again, after not running for 10 years, you know, I mean, longer distances, I've really, it's like lately everyone's talking about running slow and I'm like, Oh, is this a thing? Like you can run what? (laughs) Like this conversational pace. So I really started to back off the treadmill because I usually run on a treadmill because personally, I, I, I don't mind running on a treadmill because I get to see what my pace is. I get to see how fast I'm running, Yeah, a lot you of know, data. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I get the data. So once I get the data, maybe then I'll start running outside. You know, New York isn't the best weather anyway, so I don't mind it, but it's just been really interesting to kind of learn something new again and just not, and, and learning to put less pressure on myself to get the numbers 
that I got 10 years ago. And that's, that's so been a true. struggle, but it's really, and, and, and I've been following Peloton a lot. Yeah. So it's like these instructors are like, you know, if you start slow, you're going to finish strong, which is yeah. another thing that I'm doing. And yeah, it's just been really great. I just like love, I love it. I'm enjoying like waking up and being like, oh, I get to go for a run today. Like I remember those feelings. Like I remember being like excited to go for a run and I'm there now. And it's, it's such a good feeling to feel that way. I don't know, to be excited about something. So I have this like, I'm talked about this on the podcast before. It's not like that big of a secret. My secret ambition to be <laughs> like run? a trail runner. Yeah. Yes. See. <laughs> and so as part of my secret ambition to be a trail runner, I I read the book, The Uphill Athlete. Uh-huh. I actually listened to it. It's a book. I, if you guys are not familiar, it's uh-huh. a book all about like, it's written by these mountaineers who are men and like, okay, you know, maybe let's just talk a little bit about training adaptations, which they literally don't even touch on one time, but they it's all, it's by these endurance mountain athletes who Mm -hmm. they are like professional mountain racers. Yeah. You know, which is like such this tiny little community of people. Uh, but it's so interesting because it's really all about building up this huge endurance capacity that has to also be balanced with a strength component because you're going uphill, you know, that's, and so it's all about like schemo, um, ski mountaineering and trail running and, you know, these like huge mountain traverses. Anyway, their whole, not whole thing, but something they come back to time and time again is basically like the only actual way to improve your aerobic threshold is to work out below your aerobic threshold. And that is the only way that you are going to increase it. And people may, like we wow. have thought years for years and years and years that you need to work out right at your aerobic threshold or just past it. And that's how you're going to push it. And it's actually not true. You need to work out below your aerobic threshold. The majority of your training, I want to say, they say it's like 70 or 80% needs to be below your aerobic threshold in order to increase your aerobic capacity, because that's that's where your body can actually build. And we understand that from like a strength perspective, like you wouldn't expect to ever get stronger by doing nothing, but going out and working out right at your one rep max all the time. You would understand that your body can't like support that and all you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's a very similar concept with your aerobic, you know, with your lactic threshold and your aerobic threshold which again, like they also go into like the difference between that, between lactic, lactic threshold and aerobic threshold, but it really does support that. Like, Hey, just go out. And if you're running a 20 minute mile, I don't, you know, running might be a strong word to use. It does take you 20 minutes to do, but like to even, Hey guys, I love a shuffle. This is why I fall every time. People would always like laugh at me for tripping on my runs. It's because I'm shuffling. You don't like, I trip over everything. I fall all the time. It's like when I heard that it did kind of have this light bulb moment of, oh yeah, I, again, like I wouldn't expect to be getting stronger by constantly working on it. My one at max, but that's how we have been treating aerobic training. Yeah, yeah. It's a really interesting book. You can listen to it also. And even though if you buy it, it has all these little sidebar charts and yeah. like, you know, kind of things. So I would recommend doing both. Maybe yeah. they do a good job with the audiobook, but, um, you, you know, it's like you buy it. It's like a coffee table book at Patagonia type of thing. And you get it and you're, it's so thick. It's been very, very interesting. And it's really, I think it's also really changed the way that I have been thinking about long-term fitness because with being in CrossFit for 10 plus years, Mm -hmm. you do have this vision of fitness, meaning even though the definition of CrossFit is, you know, very supposed to be across broad time and modal or, Mm -hmm. you know, domains, broad (laughs) domains, 
failing my level one test. Yeah. <laughs> it was so long ago. It was so long ago. That even though that's what they say, the reality of working out in most sort of neighborhood gyms, CrossFit gyms, are te- you know, three minute to 20 minute long yeah. high intensity workouts. And that's fine because that's what can fit into an hour long class. Mm-hmm. But that's not, that is a very specific type of stimulus. And to your point, Tina, like how many of us want to spend the rest of our lives in a pool of sweat every single day, laying on the floor, gasping for air? Like that's fun yeah. every once in a while. Yeah. But it's really hard to turn that into a sustainable training method if you're trying to do it three, four, five days a week. Mm-hmm. I, I also just, I don't know if I could do that, you know, at 60 years old. I really don't. You know, I see these women that, that can do it. But I think, again, it's that 1%. We're seeing the 1% that are doing CrossFit at a high level. There's master's athletes. And, you know, again, like I was very competitive as a master's athlete when I first became a master's and had aspirations. And then I was like, and then the steady decline (laughs) happened. And I'm like, oh, like I used to be this good, you know? And I'm just sick and tired of saying I used to, I used to, and just kind of was like, I just need to move on. I I still love CrossFit, but you know, I just can't do it as well as I used to. I was talking to Kelly this morning on our run and I was like, you know, I'm thinking about starting CrossFit again. I'm not sure when that would be. Maybe when Joe's a little older, just because we have to be around a lot for him as a puppy. And I'm like, but I don't miss being like something always hurt when I was doing CrossFit. And I know you have control over like how hard you go, but when you're competitive, you just don't, you can't like, there's no second gear. It's like first gear, second, like you're, I only have one gear and it's go all out. And so (laughs) I was like, I, something always hurt. I was always at my Cairo being like, oh, my shoulder's killing me. You know, there was always something that was like out of whack. That tells me too, like, maybe I just need to stick with like the workout plan that I'm on right now, which is doing a lot of Peloton rides and doing Mm -hmm. some running and doing some strength training at home. But the other thing around training below your aerobic threshold is Peloton does a lot of rides called power zone rides. And you are, it's only six, I think six or seven zones. And you kind of figure out your power zone by doing like a test ride. And a lot of the really elite instructor instructors, the ones who like really are technical when they instruct, really only have you riding at a two or three, which is like very easy, like something you could yeah. hold for hours. Yeah, uh, that's what they always say. Like for the whole yeah. for 90 minutes. And I'm like, and, I'm not running for 90 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> and it's very, it's very, it feels easy. But I, I just, that's a challenge for me to go, all right, well, I'm just going to stay here and I trust his training. Yeah. And that has been a really big game changer and also just kind of taking care of my health where I'm not like, and this mm-hmm. is just me, I'm not, and this is me personally speaking for like what feels good for me. I know this yeah. is not, we're not talking as like, trainers or anything like that, mm-hmm. but just like how it feels yeah. to kind of go through these stages of life uh, of what feels best for your body. So anyway, yeah. that's a good conversation, but yeah. um, it all just comes to back to, I don't, I don't have to want to try hard. <laughs> don't have to want to try hard. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Just release that. Mm-hmm. Release <sighs> me. All right, guys. I know it's that time. I know it's that time. time. We got to end. Thank you so much, Tina, for coming back on. We loved having you. Thank you yeah, for having thank you me. for catching I up love with being us. here. And we will link to all of Tina's accounts in the show notes. But where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at the underscore Salt Gypsy. Uh, if you want to contact me, you can contact me through my website, which is tinadegraff.com. And if you want some tie dye, I'm tie by Tina, which is T Y E by Tina. And you can find us on Instagram at Joy and Claire 
underscore. You can go to joyandclaire.com. You can always email us. This is joyandclaire at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out our favorite sponsor, Ned, helloned.com, discount code joy or helloned.com forward slash joy. That's H E L L O N E D.com. Get your cannabinoids. Dun, 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 dun. sometimes i do this stuff and i'm like why do people listen to us Uh, (laughs) it's because of that because of my songs thank you we'll talk to you next week bye guys Bye. bye